You are listening to a message from Bethany First Church of the Nazarene, online at bethanynaz.org. I was with this guy this week who is retiring from ministry, just retired, and so he's older, and he says to a group of us who were listening to him speak, he says, um, the world has really changed. And so we're all leaning in, listening to what he has to say, and he says, when, when I was young and I would go to church, he said... We younger people just kind of sat there quietly. We didn't do much. We just listened. But the people who were older, they would get kind of excited during the worship. And sometimes without being asked to, they would stand up. And sometimes they would raise their hands as they were singing, giving God praise. He said, but, but we younger people, we just kind of sat and watched. And he said, in fact, if it got a little too demonstrative in their worship, we might even have made some fun of the older people because they were kind of getting excited, you know. He said, but now I go to church and the people who are older, they just kind of sit really still. But he said, when I go to a church where there's younger people, a lot of younger people, they stand without you even asking them to stand and they raise their hands when they sing and they close their eyes and they're very demonstrative in their worship. He said, I think things have really changed. So I remember when I, when I moved here five years ago, and we had this service in July, a combined service. And I remember senior adults coming to me and saying, Pastor, one of the things about the combined service is that we've noticed the younger people who are usually in second service, they're real demonstrative in their worship. Sometimes they stand when nobody asks them to, and they often raise their hands like we used to when we were younger. But we don't do that anymore. In fact, this one senior adult guy said to me, he said, Pastor, I've noticed when I go to the combined services, some of the younger people praise God by the uplifted hand. <laughs> Language I hadn't heard for a long time. So I'm not casting any judgment on anybody for how you worship. In fact, I wouldn't even say that there's one way that everybody should do it. I don't believe that at all. I'm not saying that. But you are a part of a generation, many of you in the room this morning who are pretty expressive in your worship. And I think it's really a good thing. But here's where I think the conversation takes us, and it forces you and me to ask ourselves a question. And the question that it forces us to ask ourselves is this. When my heart is full of gratitude and thanks and praise to God for who He is and what He has done for me, how do I express that? I think that's the question. So when I think about how good God has been to me and how He has blessed me, and my heart is filled with gratitude and thanks and praise for all that God has done and who He is, how do I find a way to express that? And so as a staff, we started thinking about this past year. And our hearts were just full, and we realized that God truly is with us, and we are loved, and He is at work. And He's doing some really great things, and you're going to hear some more stuff as we move through our time together this morning. But we begin to say, how do we say thanks? And we felt like it was really important to take a day like today and just to focus on that. So I know how it sounds for us. And I love to worship today. And I know what that sounded like. But what did it sound like 3,000 years ago in the Middle Eastern part of the world with a nation called Israel? 
And the reason we have a clue is because their king, whose name was David, actually wrote it down. And he says, I think this is what we should say, and I think this is how we should say it. And so I want you to hear these words. In fact, um, I'm presenting them in a way that you can both speak them and hear them. So guys, we'll get started by saying them, and then gals, you can follow us, okay? Here we go. Give praise to the Lord. Proclaim His name. Make known among the nations what He has done. Sing to Him. Sing praise to Him. Tell of all His wonderful acts. Remember the wonders He has done, His miracles, and the judgments He pronounced. Sing to the Lord, all the earth. Proclaim His salvation day after day. majesty are before him. Strength and joy are in his dwelling place. Ascribe to the Lord all you families of nations. Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory. Do his name. Bring an offering and come before him. Worship the Lord in the splendor of his holiness. Give thanks to the Lord for he is good. His love endures forever. Not that it is a competition, but if it had been a competition, I think the guys would clearly have won the competition. <laughs> so let me give you some backstory, okay? One day God is talking to a guy whose name is Moses. And he says to Moses, Moses, I want you to build the tabernacle. Now, what does tabernacle mean? It means kind of like a traveling church, a church that you can break down and carry it somewhere else and set it up again. So the people of Israel were nomadic people. Do you know what nomadic means? Nomads, it means they lived in tents, not houses. It's tough on a person to live in a tent year after year, and it was tough on them. And so like the homes they lived in were tents, so was the traveling church. And he says, this is what I want the tabernacle to be like. I want there to be this holy place, and then I want there to be a curtain. And behind the curtain is like the most holy place. And in the most holy place, I want you to build an ark. Okay? Now, here's what the ark is. He says, the ark, I want you to make it two and a half cubits long. Now, how many of you would just put your hand really high in the air and say, I know how long a cubit is? Would you just raise your hand? Got one to, is that it? Okay, so here's what we're all going to do. Raise, everybody raise your hand just like this, okay? Everybody's hand in the air. Touch the tip of your middle finger, not the first one, but the middle finger. Now touch the elbow, okay? That is the length of a cubit right there. That's it. So it's about 20 inches long. So if you put your fingers together like this, that would be two cubits, right? And then if you add another half, that would be two and a half cubits, which is about four feet long. So he says, I want you to build this chest, this ark, okay? It's called the Ark of the Covenant or the Ark of the Testimony. Two and a half cubits long, a cubit and a half deep, and a cubit and a half wide. So it's going to be this chest. Now listen, he says, I want you to overlay it with gold, both inside and out. 
I want there to be a top on it because we're going to put some stuff in it. And then on top, I want there to be two cherubs. They look like angels. They're facing each other, but they're actually looking down at the ark, okay? And then when you get it built, I want you to put these two stone tablets that I'm going to give you that's going to have the Ten Commandments written on them. After you put that in there, then I want you to put it behind that curtain in what is the most holy place. Now listen, I love this. This is my favorite part, okay? He says, Moses, when you get it in that place, that most holy place, I want you to come and stand in front of the ark because that's where I am going to speak to you. Wow. It gives me cold chills to think that Moses goes into that place and he hears the voice of God. Now, you know that Indiana Jones has been looking for this thing for like years now and, and can't seem to get his hands on it. But the, the thing that, that happened with the nation of Israel is it's kind of sad because there was a king and his name was Saul. And Saul did not always remember God. In fact, his life got off track. So you know somebody right now, you know their name, you know their story, and you would say, Pastor Rick, this person I know really well and their life is off track. Okay, I know somebody like that right now. Their life is just off track. They've kind of wandered from God, from what is right, from what is good. And their life is just, they're living over here right now. So Saul, his life got off track. And he didn't think much about God. In fact, he completely disregarded the Ark of the Covenant. It wasn't even in Jerusalem where he lived. Or where the tabernacle was. So Saul dies, and they get a new king. His name is David. And David remembers God. And he had a heart after God. And so David says, you know what I think we should do? Number one, we should make first things first. We should make the important things in life the important things. And so I think we should go get the ark and we should bring it back to Jerusalem. Now this was a really, really big deal when David said he was going to do this. Not only was the ark a reminder of God's presence, It was also a reminder of what God had done. Because various texts tell us that God later says, Oh yeah, I want you to open the ark back up. And not only have those two stone tablets with the Ten Commandments on them, but I want you to put in there also a jar of the manna that I fed you when you were in the wilderness and you were hungry. And I want you to put the rod of Moses in the the ark. And so it was also a reminder of everything that God had done for the nation of Israel, His protection and His provision for them. So I just gotta, I just gotta ask you this question, and 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 I don't, I don't think it's good for you to leave today without answering the question in your own mind and your own heart. What are those things in your life, okay, right now today? What are those things in your life that remind you of what God has done for you? And that God is with you. So what is it in your home that you have that when you see that, it's a reminder? What, what little something have you got sitting somewhere on a desk or somewhere? And it's important to you because when I look at that, I remember something that God did for me. Or the fact that God is with me. Because here's our struggle. Our struggle is, is that we can go through whole days. In fact, I think, I think some of us might even say we can go through whole weeks 
Some of you may say, I, I can sometimes go a month without really stopping to think about what all God has done for me and the fact that God is with me. I mean, my life is full and I get up and I go as hard as I can go and I come home, you know, and I just crash and I go all day and never really remember all the things that God has done and the fact that God is with me. And so I think you can hear David's heart in this psalm because really there's only two things that he wants to talk about, all right? He wants to talk about all that God has done and then he wants to give God thanks. That's it. The whole psalm. Chapter 16 of the book of 1 Chronicles, when David writes Psalm, he says, here's what I want us to do as a nation. I want us to remember everything that God has done for us, and then I want us to give God thanks for everything that He's done for us. So you remember the date, April in 1995. On the 19th, Jeffrey McVeigh parked, Timothy rather McVeigh, parked a truck in front of the Alfred P. Murrah Federal Building downtown in Oklahoma City. I did not live here in those days, but it's like we heard the bomb from where we were. The whole world was aware of what was going on in this community. 168 people died. 680 other people were injured. Lots of buildings destroyed. And people are still carrying scars from that event. I think you have to give yourself credit because somewhere along the way people begin to say we can never forget this. We can never forget the people who died. We can never forget the people who survived. And we should never forget the people who responded. The rescuers. And so finally everybody said, we should build something. We should erect something. We should create something. Because in 20 years, how fresh will this be? And in 40 years, how much will people remember? And what about the next generation? Will they even know about it if we don't put something in place? Because these people should never be forgotten. And so there's this incredible memorial. And every time company comes to see us from out of town, we take them to see the memorial. Because we want to help people remember the people who died, the people who survived, and the people who rescued others. We don't think anybody should ever forget it. Can you hear the heart of David in this conversation? David says it's, it's like we've forgotten God. We've forgotten all the things that God has done for us. And we should do something. We should, we should do something special. We don't want to forget. In fact, he says we should go get the ark. And the ark should be here in Jerusalem. Because the ark is not only a reminder of God's presence, but is a reminder of everything that God has done for us. And so I don't know if you can get this picture in your mind or not, but it's like a parade. It's like a celebration. It's like a party. It's a festival. The whole city of Jerusalem has turned out for it. And here comes David into the city, and all the Levite priests are with him. You were born a Levite. You didn't become one. 
you were born a priest, you didn't become one. You could not unbecome one. If you were born a Levite, you were a priest. And they are all in their linen robes. And the choirs are singing. Can you hear them? And people are playing musical instruments, ram's horns, trumpets, cymbals, harps. Everybody is marching. It's a festival coming through the city. And they are carrying the ark. And they're going to put it back in the tabernacle. Pretty exciting. So, David says to Asaph, this is how we're going to do it. We're going to remember in our liturgy all that God has done in His faithfulness. And then we're going to give Him thanks. And the ark will rest here as a reminder. So let me, let me fast forward another thousand years, okay? By this time, there's a guy whose name is Jesus who has appeared on the scene of history. And the world won't ever be the same again. And he's telling his disciples all along, there's some really good news. I mean, I'm here to bring good news. The kingdom of God is at hand. And I'm going to give my life. But that's good for you because when I give my life for you, your sins are going to be forgiven. And your relationship with God is going to be restored. And you're going to be made righteous. And you're going to have a friendship with the God who created everything. And you're going to be in right relationship with Him. And one night He sits down with them and He takes this bread and He breaks it. And He says, this is my body that is given for you. Each of you, you should take some and you should eat it. And when you do this, do you remember His next line? You should remember me. I'm going to give you something to do. And every time you do it, you're going to remember me. You're going to remember what God has done through me. You're going to remember how God has changed your life through me. You're going to remember how God has made you righteous through me. Every time you do it, you get to remember. Because you can never forget. So the guy I told you about a few minutes ago, his name is J.K. Wark. He said something else when he was speaking to pastors this past week when I was with him. And he said, you need a bigger God. Most of you need a bigger God. Now it sounds a little odd at first, and I know what he meant, and it's not what it sounds like. It sounds like the God that we serve is not big enough. That's not what he meant at all. He meant God is adequate. But your view of God is too small. What if you really believed that God is as big as He is? What if you really believed that God can and will do what God can and will do? What if you really believed that God is all that He is? I feel like sometimes we ask for so little because we don't believe that God is so great. And in this psalm, he gives us every reason in the world why we should praise him. He says, you are the Lord of glory. You are the God of hosts. You are our eternal father. You are the Lord of history. You are our salvation. You are the source of our strength. You are the source of gladness. You are holy. You are good. You are faithful. And your love endures forever. And you are worthy of all of our praise. 
We don't really need another reason to praise God except for the fact that He is God and He deserves all of our praise. So here's how we're going to end our time together today, okay? I want Carrie to come and stand with me for a moment. So I think we ought to remember what God has done, and then I think we should praise Him. And, and when we praise Him, I just feel like we should kind of pull out all the stops and praise Him like we have seldom praised Him. So Carrie Sapcut has been a part of our church almost for one year now, right? And her son attends Carson Church with her here. And God has used many of you to be a blessing in Carrie's life. And this last week, she sent me an email or two weeks ago. So I called her and said, Carrie, would you meet with me? And she did. And I said, would you just read to the congregation what you wrote to me in your email? And she was so gracious to say she would. Would you make Carrie feel really welcome right now? Two weeks ago, I sent Pastor Rick an email. He asked me if I'd be willing to share it today with the church, and I said yes. This past semester, I went through the divorce care classes, and something Don Anderson told me from the very beginning was that someday my story would be able to help someone else. It isn't in my comfort zone to do this. If me standing here reading this helps just one person and gives them hope, then it's totally worth it. I know God pushes people out of their comfort zones so they can make a difference in the people around them. This is the story of the past year of my life. Almost a year ago, my eight-year-old son Carson and I started attending BFC. That's my little Carson. Carson wanted to go to basketball Sunday, and we've been here ever since. To say that it's changed our lives is an understatement. I was introduced to some of the most amazing and special women in the Ladies of Legacy class, taught by Paula Anderson, who have built me up, encouraged me, and have listened to me cry. Carson has developed such wonderful friendships and truly loves the children's pastors that hug him, pray for him, and teach him all about God's love. I'm going to be forever grateful for everyone that has had a hand in getting Carson to this point in his life. Having my son say, let's just pray, it just shows he can use a little eight-year-old boy to change his mom's life. I would have never imagined something like a youth sports team would totally change our lives. Once Carson's older, I'll be able to tell him how him wanting to play basketball totally changed our lives and that he's the reason I found God again. God works in crazy ways sometimes. He used a little blonde-haired, ball-of-energy little boy to get us on the road God wanted us to be on. Several months ago, Carson made the decision during Kids Rock that he wanted Jesus to be in his heart forever. A few weeks back, Carson told me he wanted to be baptized. I told him we could talk about it and we could talk to Pastor Corey. He kept bringing it up. Many, many, many times he would say he was ready and wanted to do it. Two weeks ago, he was baptized. I'm so very proud of Carson for taking that step. I never would have thought playing basketball with the BFC League would lead us to this point. If you ever need a reason to continue these sports leagues, here it is. Basketball led my son to say, let's go to basketball Sunday. 
which led to me writing down my name on that connection book, which led to the phone call and an hour-long conversation with Pastor Mark, which led to me walking down the aisle, shaking and crying, and getting on my knees on the right side of the altar, asking God to fix this broken heart and spirit that was pretty destroyed by a divorce which led to Carson praying on April 23rd and asked Jesus to be his very best friend. And two weeks ago, I got to watch watch my precious child be baptized. How amazing is God? I'm just in awe of what he's been able to do. Thank you all for living with your arms wide open and taking us in. Thank you to everyone that has hugged, coached, high-fived, taught, prayed for and loved my amazing Carson. This church has shown me exactly what it looks like to live with arms wide open, and I don't think I could ever say how forever grateful I am for that. I'm so happy that I can call Bethany First Church of the Nazarene my home. Thank you for letting me share my story. You have been listening to a message from Bethany First Church of the Nazarene. Visit us online at bethanynaz.org.